Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, we're talking summer league results and big names on the trade market. Ben and I discuss the Pistons' first two games of the Las Vegas Summer League, and then we get into the pros and cons of trading for Russell Westbrook, the biggest name the Pistons have been attached to since Blake Griffin. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. It's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what you all are talking about. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. I'm pleased today to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Uh, Ben, how are you doing? Doing good. Uh, Happy Summer League week to everyone who's been able to watch. I envy you. Haven't had the time, but uh, we're going to talk about it. Laz is going to drop some more knowledge bombs on us this week, so I'm really looking forward to that. How are you doing, Laz? I'm doing well. Uh, The Bruce Baum piece I had uh, after his first two games went up. And so uh, I was really excited to like finally get that out uh, into the open, but then I got like swallowed up by all the stuff we're going to talk about later. So <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> so uh, summer league, um, you said you've written a little bit about it. Hopefully, everyone's had a chance to read that. Um, Bruce Brown looks like he might be a player. Um, we know you've written about it, but but talk us through it. What have you seen from uh, Bruce Brown that has you excited going into this season? So. Bruce has made like leaps and brown bounds as a as a playmaker. Um, the the coaching staff in summer league has decided to make him the the starting point guard and put the ball in his hands a lot. And he's responded with some of the the best passing um, that you know we've ever seen out of him. Honestly, he's making uh, all sorts of passes. Um, he's making the correct reads to uh, to guys in the corner and on the wing off pick and rolls. He's beating guys in isolation and then making drop off passes to the big men, which is really helpful because the Pistons like don't have any good very, they have a uh, Matt Costello out of MSU who is like solid, but not like explosive or, or dynamic or anything like that. Um, and they have uh, Dante Hall out of, uh, out of Alabama who is uh, very raw and very athletic, but uh, so the, it's been really helpful to have a guy who can create shots for those guys. Uh, on the floor in summer league. Um, the other thing is that uh, the Pistons have a lot of shooting on, on the summer league team. Um, Kyrie hit seven threes in the first summer league game. Uh, Svi has hit, I think, uh, four or more threes in both games. And uh, Todd Withers from the Grand Rapids Drive has been a revelation as the stretch four option. And so uh, with all the spacing and all the shooting on the floor, um, Bruce has a lot of opportunities to drive and kick to, to open shooters and guys have just been knocking down shots. It's it's a really simple offense, but it's been really effective um, in the first two summer league games. Uh, Bruce had ten assists against Portland, and uh, I like that's notable. And uh, ten assists doesn't sound like a lot, but summer league games are eight minutes shorter uh, than NBA games, and you know usually filled with guys who can't shoot. 
And so, and summer league is not known for passing. So tennis right. is, is, it's respectable. I mean, there's something there. Yeah, definitely. And so like, I don't think Bruce will like, everybody's kind of asking like, Oh, like, what does this mean for Bruce? Like long time as a point guard and for this year, um, it probably doesn't mean much. He's not going to be like the backup point guard or anything like that. Um, Pat pass next year when Reggie Jackson is an expiring contract and the only uh, quote unquote punk point guards on the roster will be Derek Rose and Jordan bone. Like maybe, maybe we could see something like that in the future, but um, you know, it's, it's no matter what, it's just good to have playmakers on the floor, right? Like uh, it's good to, if Bruce Brown was, I think fifth on the team in minutes last season. And so like, if he's going to play that many minutes again this year, and uh, still hasn't shown um, the th- ability to be to be a threat as like a spot up shooter. It's good to know that he can be like he can contribute offensively in other ways that that aren't like just perimeter shooting. Yeah, and Bruce Brown as point guard has been something uh, both him and Kyrie that you've talked about on the podcast. So I gotta imagine it's a little bit rewarding to see a little bit of this happening and happening successfully in summer league. Two other guys, well, three other guys that I'm really excited about, and then I'll I'll let you have the wide open floor to talk about anything else you've seen. But Kyrie, we talked about his shooting, Svi shooting as well, and then Seku. What what have you seen from those three guys other than the shooting you've already talked about? Uh, so Ben Seku hasn't even played. He's missed both games with a uh, with a slight hamstring strain. Yeah, I know that's disappointing, so, right? So you've seen so a lot of smiling and waving, hopefully from the bench. He, yeah, he looks he looks pretty happy to be there. He looks like he's moving fine. Does is but he like, still super skinny? Has he put on any weight? No, nah, he's still really skinny. But he's eighteen, right? He's gonna yeah. be skinny until until uh, he's in his twenties. But uh, so that that's been a little. That's I think been like the 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 that's been the real disappointment of summer league is that we haven't got to look at him because you know if he if he could shoot like he did in the French league. Um, you know, he could be, he could be a part of this spacing unit, right? Like he could be uh, a part, he could like catch these Bruce Brown driving kick passes and make open threes. Like that would be useful to see if he can do that or not. So that's been disappointing, but um, the team has been winning and playing so well that it, it's been like an afterthought that like Seku hasn't been playing. We're like all amazed that like Bruce Brown is playing so well, but no, uh, but Kyrie, Kyrie has had uh, one really good game where he made seven threes and one really bad game where he went like three or 14. Um, the effort is always there defensively, which is good to see. Um, I think that, uh, the second game he got caught, he got hung up in like the mid range a little bit. Um, he, he also got like his shot blocked a couple times or altered a couple times at the rim, which, uh, goes to show you like the, the lack of like vertical athleticism he has. But, um, you know, I think he's still like a solid player, right? There's no, after you know the seven three game, everybody was like, you know, he should have been playing over Langston this whole time, um, and you know that's that's still still a possibility. Austin like, Day flashbacks, <laughs> right? But I think he's uh he's a little bit farther away than uh, than maybe we would have liked. What about his handle? Does he have any of that point guard undiscovered ability? Do you think? No, I actually Joe uh, Joe called me out because he got he got ripped up a couple times against Croatia. It's like okay, well if he can't. If he can't beat these Croatian dudes off the dribble, like <laughs> that's not a great sign. And so uh, the handle is not like it's not particularly loose, but um, where like the balls are really far away from his body or his dribbling like particularly high. But uh, the combinations, like the moves he would use to get separation, he's not really like familiar with them yet. And so you'll see him like 
try like a in and out cross to like get back to his right and uh the ball like isn't where he wants it to be and he'll lose it and so like I, that'll that'll come with time i still i still hold out hope that uh in time he could like initiate some offense um and they've asked him to do a little bit of that and he's been okay um but uh but yeah i i hold out hope that Kyrie can uh can just uh just make the if he can just make the open shots and that he's been uh given in in the offense and play the defense that he's played he's done uh, a pretty good job of being an, an on-ball defender if he can just do that like i think he'll he has a role in this team absolutely yeah and if he's a three and d guy he's got a role in the nba too beyond the scope of the pistons so yeah exactly. you know, that's not a bad trajectory what about zv what are you seeing from him so zv can shoot and like we knew that conceptually and like we saw that in last year's summer league but like he can he can really shoot um he gets in trouble a little bit when he tries to do things other than shoot. He um, he has a pretty good handle. He can get to his spots. Uh, James Edwards, uh, the athletic, I think noted that he had a very like surprising uh, first step for a guy who's like not especially who's not like especially gifted uh, athletically. And so you can you can create separation, um, but he likes to take off of, off of uh, two feet, and so he needs time to kind of gather himself and balance himself to to do that. And so uh, he'll run into trouble a little bit there. Um, there have been times when um, he's uh, like taken two dribbles and done like a jump stop, like a two footed jump stop, and then like jumped to make another play. And you see like, Oh, like he's not going to have time to like do that in, uh, in the NBA. Like if he's attacking a close out or something, like you got to be able to, to make plays off of one foot. And so uh, that's been a little disappointing, but like, no, he can. And, and uh, the other thing is like, he's, he's competed defensively, which is what I think the coaching staff was like really after him about, uh, especially in the Portland game. He moved his feet really well. He's uh, staying in front of his man, paying attention to uh, where he like needed to be uh, rotation wise and like where he needs to be like in relationship to the ball. And like, he really, uh, he didn't like stand out defensively, but um, you know, in the in the Croatia game, the Croatian team is like literally like attacking him, like off screens and stuff. And so like that's kind of like that's not great when like you're getting attacked on uh, on defense in summer league. Like, what are NBA teams going to do? But he, he did a better job of um, of being a good team defender against Portland, and I think that was that was good to see. I uh, I really am excited about Speed because if he does nothing else but like make the open shots that he's given, then like he can like. You can be the backup small forward tomorrow, basically. Well, that's, I mean, that would be huge, right? I mean, because that's the kind of leap we're looking for. Um, right. And we definitely and, have that roster hole still available to be filled. So, yeah. And he was, he was playing, um, he was playing some in the rotation, some in Los Angeles, like before he got to Detroit. And so it was, it was never like, oh, like he can't be part of an NBA rotation. It was, uh, it was the injury and, uh, you know, Dwayne Casey's preference for defense. And so if he's, you know, up to his team defensive ability and, you know, has remained the same, the same shooter, that's a, that's like definitely a guy who can, who can play in the rotation. Uh, you know, the, the other thing is that like, if, if he does become the backup small forward or if he does kind of force his way into the rotation that uh, limits opportunities for Seku. Uh, we, again, we, since we haven't seen Seku, we don't know how well he's, going to look against uh, NBA quality competition and you know maybe he plays tomorrow maybe he doesn't but um you know backup small forward is kind of what we were hoping uh Seiko would be and so that you know that shifts that out of whack and you know there's still opportunities for him to probably get into the rotation as the season goes on but uh 
but yeah, that that uh that interplay is is interesting since we haven't seen him play essentially. All right, so to to wrap it up on summer league, any of these other guys done something eye popping or noteworthy uh, that you want to talk about that might give us some additional hope or excitement headed into the uh, the preseason, which isn't too far away. So uh, Todd Withers, the he's played with Grand Rapids uh, earlier this year. He's been really impressive as um, just sort of like a really good glue guy. He's made uh, he's made most of the open threes. He's he's been given. Um, he can play the four. Uh, he's been active. He had like a nice, uh, he had a nice uh, closeout attack against Portland um, to his right hand. That that was pretty. That was good to see him do. Um, I don't know if he is a rotation player in in the NBA, um, but uh, I definitely like want to invite him to training camp and give him an opportunity. Right? Like I don't, I don't see why you can't do that. And then um, you know, uh, Servitas Davidis or Davidis Servitas. Sorry. I, oof, I, <laughs> Either way, we know who you're talking. Either about. way is good. Either way, he uh, hasn't been great. The coaching staff uh, hasn't trusted him to play a whole bunch. He still looks super, super skinny. Um, he made uh, a three in uh, in garbage time of the Croatia game, um, and you can see the form. The form's really good. Um, but he's yeah, he's really skinny, and he is still a year away from uh, from being on the roster. And so, uh, you know. I'm I'm interested to see where he, what he looks like in summer league next year. Basically, uh, Jordan Bone hasn't played because the trade uh, that he was a part of was like a chain reaction from like the Anthony Davis trade or something, and so they needed to resolve that first. And so he just now uh, was signed to the team today. We'll probably see him tomorrow. I'm curious to see um, if he just uh, if he supplants Brown as the starting point guard or if they use him more as the backup. And then uh, Lewis King, the other kid, the uh, the undrafted guy out of Oregon that they used the other two way on, he uh, he frankly has not been very good. He was uh, supremely lost on defense uh, against Croatia. Just that's um, not a like, good sign. Yeah, no no clue what he was doing uh, on the floor at all times. And uh, and against Portland, he looked much much less lost defensively. But uh, he hasn't gotten a lot of shots up. His handle is really loose. Um, he seems like he should be a guy uh, who's who's uh, making. He should be a guy who's at receiving on the receiving end a lot of these Bruce Brown passes and, and just firing off these catch and shoot jumpers. But he's been really tentative. Um, I think he can kind of like feel the fact that like he got. It's like I was, I was really lost on defense day one, and you know I was undrafted. Like I'm really nervous about my future NBA prospects, and he's playing very tentative. Um, I don't. I don't. You can you can understand like why he's thinking that, but like I kind of just want to see him just go out there and like shoot. Like yeah, man, and it was like if he had like a little bit more like double make care attitude, I'd be curious to see what his game is like. But yeah, he's been he's been pretty bad, uh, frankly. And it's like I would rather at this point uh, I would give uh, Todd Weathers the two way instead of him and just like sign him to uh, a Grand Rapids contract. He's got it's those Luke Kennard jitters. The uh, it's summer league and he still doesn't want to shoot. Kind of a problem. Right, he's got the the Glenn Robinson the third jitters. Oof, that's even worse. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's the that's the nuts and bolts of summer league so far. Um, the Pistons have been winning every game by like ten plus points, so like that's been really fun. Um, I said I said before summer league started that if um, if Svi and uh, Bruce Brown played really well, they had an outside shot at uh, a championship, a summer league championship. Um, that looks that looks eminently possible. <laughs> Nobody else in summer league is like dominating right now. Um, and so, yeah, like it's been, it's been really fun to watch like this really successful 
ball movement, uh, driving kick, piston seam. He's like, this does not look familiar. I've never seen this before. Who is? Who are these guys? Well, that's at least something positive to take away from Summer League. I think, you know, in the past, we've, as Pistons fans, have been bitten by guys who do all this really amazing individual scoring, and then when it comes to the regular season, just disappear. But, you know, if you've got guys who are buying into a team concept and playing defense and sharing the ball in Summer League, you know, to me, that is more likely to translate into the regular season than, you know, just a gaudy hot streak of shooting over the course of, you know, five or six games. So I think that's something to be happy about. No, definitely. And so now uh, let's let's flip it up a little bit, though, Ben. Uh, in in between the time since you and I last talked, the Pistons have made some some free agency uh, acquisitions. They signed Markeith Morris to a, a two year deal at the uh, with the biannual exception. I believe I saw the second year as a player option, and so uh, maybe he's here next year. Maybe he's not. Um, I, how do you feel about Markeith Morris as a player, and what do you think his role is going to be for the Pistons? Yeah, so the, multiple layers to this. Like, so initially, I, I got to admit I was pretty lukewarm. You know, in Markeith's defense, um, you know, he had a tough year last year. He was injured, and then you know, traded midseason, and that stuff's that's tough stuff's difficult to overcome. Um, but the reality is, last season was just not a very good season for him. His numbers were down across the board. Um, I think there's some real questions about. Um, his defensive effort and his defensive buy-in, um, you know, maybe that's a function of injuries. Maybe that's a function of, of the trade and not feeling connected. Um, but, you know, to me, kind of the big knock against him from my perspective is that he's just a little bit below average at all the power forward stuff that you'd want him to do. Um, so he's kind of like, you know, a, a small forward trapped in a power forward's body or, you know, an un, one of those undersized tweeners who – you know, unlike his brother, doesn't really excel in, in the perimeter small forward role. So, um, you know, I'm sort of lukewarm about that. Um, but but to be fair, I think if you look at the two seasons he had prior to last year with the Wizards, he actually looked pretty good in 17-18 was arguably his best season. Uh, he had a consistent role. He was a contributor. And he shot the ball really well from deep that year, which I think if you look at his role, you, you got to assume, um, you know, bench big man minutes, he and Thon, you know, maybe switching, maybe playing a little bit of four or five, and it doesn't really matter who has what position kind of a thing. Uh, but, but the shooting, if we assume that Derrick Rose is leading the second unit, if he can shoot 37% like he did a couple of seasons ago from deep, um, I think he carves out a really nice role, at least on offense. And then what we, we have to get him to buy into is you've got to rebound like a power forward on defense and you got to, you got to buy into team defense. So um, I think Detroit has been a place for guys like Markeith who have struggled and maybe been journeymen and Detroit can be sort of a redemption story for those kind of players. So that's what I'm hoping for uh, out of Markeith Morris. We saw a little bit of that with his, with his brother when we had him, he really carved out a, a role and proved the sort of role he could have. Um, he proved he could have non winning teams when he's uh, been with other teams. Hopefully that's what we see at Markeith Morris this year. Um, but honestly, I think I need to be convinced. I'm a little skeptical, um, but that's what I'm over. So, so talk me into it, Laz. What, what am I missing? Am I, am I overlooking something? Should I be more excited about this than I am? So, I was I was relatively excited about it only because he was a guy that I didn't really think we had a shot at. Um, I don't know if he's like a straight backup power forward or uh, I don't know if he's a straight backup five. Like the the how he and Thon operate 
as the two big men off the bench, I think will be interesting. Yeah, that's a little um, scary I, to me. That is a little scary. But uh, I want to give you uh, – so he had a neck injury last year. Necks are, necks are kind of notorious to recover from. Um, he thought – he rushed back, I think, from the injury uh, after the trade. Um, but before his injury, he averaged uh, 11 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 assists on um, – 43% from the floor and 33% from three in 26 minutes a game. Like that's, I'll take that production, right? 11 points, five, uh, five rebounds. That's not bad. Um, but after the injury and after his trade, um, he was averaging six points, four rebounds and one assist um, and shooting under 40% from the floor in, in under 20 minutes a game. And so for me, my thing is if he's healthy, I think he can absolutely contribute. I don't know if he'll shoot the, the 37% he did, uh, in the past, but if he is able to shoot uh, 35% um, from three and you know space the floor a little bit and be a be a rebounder, be a be a tough guy, that uh, the Morris twins kind of kind of pride themselves on being tough guys. If he can be that tough guy on the floor, um, I think that uh, he, there's a great chance he can be an effective signing. The other thing is like he's it's very cost effective, right? It's only I think uh, a little over. Three million was uh, was the biannual, and so uh, and it's a short term deal. And so if he's if he's not as healthy as you would have liked, or if he doesn't uh, shoot as well as you'd like, um, you know the opportunity cost of cutting him loose or, or trading him for for something that's not you know also not very valuable is is pretty low. And so uh, I like that uh, I like that part of of the contract as well. That's one thing I think um, we're seeing the advantage of having. A, a front office that is a little bit more uh, familiar with being a front office instead of a front office that's run by a head coach. You're seeing a lot fewer uh, long-term deals given out. Um, you know, coaches. I think you 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 could see where Stan was like, okay, this guy's going to be good, so we want to we want to keep him, you know, under lock and key for a long time. And uh, you know, front office is like, well, you know, if he's not if he's good, we can resign him, and if he's not, you know, we can we can move on from him. You know, John Lure would have been a much better signing if it was a two-year deal instead of a four-year <laughs> deal. Um, and so, yeah, I'm 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 moderately excited about the Markeith uh, Morris signing. Um, I liked. Uh, I think wa- the other thing is that Washington was like a, a really crappy situation uh, for the bulk of last year. Even before, if you remember, like even before John Wall got hurt, there was a lot of uh, dissension in the ranks over there. Um, Wall was not playing particularly well, and you know Beal was always better. Or Beal had proven kind of that he was better than him, and Wall was a little bit unwilling or un, un, unable to to recognize that and see the offense to him and stuff. And so, you know, maybe just getting out of that situation will will also be good for for Markeef. Yeah, I think the point um, that you raised about the value proposition here is a good one. The biannual exception, um, a two year deal, second year Beal second year being a player option that works for everybody, right? Because Markeith has this one year to really prove himself, right? And if he plays really well, that's good for everybody, right? It's good for the Pistons. It's good for the fans. And then it's also good for him because he could potentially opt out and choose to make more money. Uh, and the Pistons have potential to bring him back in that situation as well. If he proves himself. So the value proposition is definitely there. So I, I think you're right to point that out as a, as a big plus in the situation. Yeah. And so the other signing the uh, the Pistons made was uh, Tim Frazier. Tim Frazier is a uh, career backup point guard. Uh, last year, I think he he was with the the Pelicans, or yeah, I think so. 
But uh, what did what did you think of the uh, the Tim Fraser signing, Ben? So Fraser's a guy who, like in terms of watching him play, I can't really say I remembered anything about him that necessarily jumped out. Um, did go back, I think, like we we all do when we sign somebody we're not familiar with and, and check out the YouTubes and find out things about his game. Um, from a numbers perspective, he's really only played significant minutes the last two seasons. Um, but there's some really nice stuff if you look at the numbers. I mean, he's um, if he's a legit 35, 36% three-point shooter like he was a season ago, um, if he's a legit passer and, and can facilitate um, a five-man offense when he's called upon, then I think at a minimum we're already leaps and bounds a, a, above and beyond where we've been the last couple of seasons or really probably four or five seasons in terms of a third point guard, right? I mean, we're talking about Jose Calderon. We're talking about 10-day contracts. We're talking about looking in – the D league which was in the D league. So as a third guard, I'm, I'm really happy about this. I think given that we have Reggie Jackson and Derek Rose with their injury histories that we've talked about to death, having a guy who's potentially capable of coming in and giving you like competent backup point guard style minutes. Uh, I think that's a, that's a really good thing. Um, and we're talking about a third guard here. We're not talking about the difference maker, but what we are talking about is instead of Jose Calderon last year, substitute Jose Calderon with at least an adequate NBA player. And I think all of us are going to be a lot more happy about that. What do you think about him right now? So I think you're, I think you're absolutely right in that uh, just having a third point guard who is capable of filling in for minutes beyond our uh, two uh, injury ridden uh current point guards is really good that's a really smart thing um he was yeah fraser played for the bucks i totally forgot but um the thing i liked about him when i looked him up on on the youtube clips is that he seemed really decisive um you know whether or not the decision was a good one was was remains to be seen but uh you know he he made a lot of quick passes a lot of quick decisions uh and he was uh it was it was uh, just you know just very decisive attack shoot pass like keep keep the offense moving don't just dribble 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 uh don't just survey everything like no like like do something with the ball and i i really would appreciate that out of a out of a a third string point guard um the the other thing i would say is that uh tim frazier really cheap i mean he was signed to a vet min um and so you know if uh you know if he proves uh to be incapable of being a, a third point guard or or anything like that like the again the opportunity cost for replacing him is really small uh, i believe it was a i believe it was a two-year deal with uh with a team option on the second year but um but yeah again um if he proves to be worse than jose calderon you can just move beyond beyond him again but yeah well, there's jose no calderon. way he's gonna be worse than jose calderon right like yeah, jose calderon was happen. so bad he was so bad for the pistons last year yeah, and it's just so like it was uh, it was astounding how how bad he was just from a lack of uh, activity. I think like when Ish first went down, um, he had like a decent like ten game stretch, and then like he would just come on the court for ten minutes a night and like not do anything, like literally nothing. And so like you 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 can't you can't get away with that uh, in in the NBA. And so I'm glad to uh, 
uh, not have to worry about the likes of like Jose Calderon or Jamil Nelson or, or Steve Blake oh. or, or any of the other backup point guards we've been subjected to or tertiary point guards we've been uh, subjected to over the years. So, it's yeah. really a dreadful list. Like if you just go back and look and look, nothing against those guys. Right. But man, we have had some rough third point guards the last few years. And so I think that, so between the, the signings of Rose and uh, Tim Frazier and Markeith Morris, uh, the Pistons are at 14 players on the roster with, I think, like a little bit less than the veterans minimum, uh, which is 1.6 million. Or the veteran vetman only counts for 1.6 million against the cap. Uh, you can get paid more, but uh, they have like a little bit less than that uh, until they hit the luxury tax. So I think they're done adding players pretty much until uh, until maybe we'll see some guys get brought in uh, for some training camp deals. Um, maybe we'll we'll see some guys uh, traded, you know, hit between now and um, the and now in September when uh, when things are a little bit more quiet after the uh, the big free agency changes we've seen over the last couple of days. But uh, but Ben, uh, so now that it looks like the Pistons are done with the roster, uh, well, how does it look? How does it look to you? What do you what do you think about it? Yeah, so I think if we assume just reasonable health to what in my mind are kind of the four key cogs offensively right now, Blake, Reggie and Rose, those are the kind of the three big guys offensively. And then I would throw Kennard in there too, uh, because I feel like he really made a difference when he got to hundred percent last season. Um, I think with reasonable health to those guys, and you look at the new pieces that have been brought in, I, I think this is a better team than a season ago. Uh, I think it's incremental. I don't think we're talking about, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten wins, right? Like something radical like that. It's it's an incremental improvement, but it is an improvement. Um, I'm really anxious to see how good Bruce Brown is. Like if some of this stuff translates into the regular season, uh, if Kyrie Thomas is still a year away or if he's ready to be sort of a three and D guy. Um, and then also Svee to some extent. Um, until I see those guys a little bit more, maybe we'll see that in the preseason. I'm not ready to like commit to a win total yet. Um but I think this is a better team. Um, and I think more importantly than all of those things to me is they got better without sacrificing anything long-term and they didn't commit to anything crazy. Like you already talked about the, the, the major free agent acquisitions are all one, two year deals with various options and none of them are crazy money. We're, we're talking about very reasonably priced deals um, for the skills and the talent that they bring to the table. So you know, my, my tentative commitment is I think we're probably looking at like a 43 to 45 win team. And for me, that's comfortable. Um, do I wish that there was a big splash they could make that would push them over the top for 50 wins? Yeah, I mean, of course I do. Um, but I'm not sure that's there. And I'm really glad that they didn't try to do that and fail and lock themselves into some some really bad contracts for mediocre players uh, like we've seen in the past. So, you know, right now, sort of what I'm expecting is a better version of last year. Um, I think given the fact that Casey's offense generates a lot of three-point attempts and we don't have um, necessarily the most reliable shooters up and down the entirety of the roster, we're probably going to have some highs and lows. I think the highs where the shots go in for those 10 or 12-game stretches and we, you win, you know, 8 or 9 out of 12, those are going to be a whole lot of fun, and the team's going to look really, really good. 
Um, but, but I think the flip side of that coin is whenever you rely on the three point shot a lot, you're going to have dry patches and, and you're going to go through cold streaks and you're going to lose, you know, six out of 12 or seven out of 12 or eight out of 12 or something like that. But I think the guys that they have brought in are going to help mitigate the lowest of the lows. And we had some really low lows last year. I think the talent base has been elevated sufficiently, um, that yeah, we'll see some up and downs, but the downs won't be nearly as bad and they won't be nearly as long. Uh, and it's going to be, I think if, if you're, if you're content and happy with rooting for a 45 win team, a 46 win team, something like that, I think there's going to be a lot of fun to be had as a Pistons fan this year, because I think uh, the team is definitely better. Uh, and we're going to see the ball go through the hoop more that in and of itself, just bringing better shooters to the team is a big step in the right direction. And while I agree with you, they're, they're almost certainly done for the summer. I think the smart thing they did with all of these guys that they brought in was they retained flexibility. So, you know, if Markeith Morris is playing fantastic basketball uh, and there's an opportunity to flip him for a future pick, right? Just one example I'm pulling out of the of there. Like you didn't bring anybody in who, is on a big bloated contract. You brought guys in who could be assets if they perform up to their contract or even above their contract. So I'm pretty comfortable. I think we got some young guys to be excited about. We have some proven veterans who can carry the load. Uh, We've got Blake Griffin who has become the hero of Detroit sports to root for. So, um, you know, I'm pretty happy. Uh, And, and I'm, I'm going to be one of those fans who I think is able to, derive a lot of enjoyment out of rooting for a team that's pushing for the playoffs. Uh, and there's a lot of guys you can get behind. What are you thinking about the team right now, Les? So I, I'm pretty much in agreement with what you said. Um, the thing that you did not mention that I would is uh, redundancy. Redundancy is across the roster. Oh, yeah, I think the Pistons did a great job of ensuring themselves against uh, injuries to their key guys for the most part. Um, if Reggie goes last year's, in the last few years, right, like the Pistons have been screwed if Reggie goes down. That does not appear that it will be the case this year. They've got Derrick Rose as a backup plan. they got Tim Frazier as a backup plan to the backup plan. And, you know, they're running Bruce Brown at point guard in summer league, and they signed uh, another – they've drafted another developmental point guard, and so they appear to be good there. Um, they've already got five shooting guards on the rosters. They're Like one of those guys is going gonna, is gonna to play well, you'd hope. They're good there. Um, last year, small forward um, – a, a wing-sized wing was uh, was a lack of. They had a distinct distinct lack of those on the roster. Uh, this year they've got they've got Tony Snell and they've got Seku and they've got Svi. That's that's three wing-sized wing guys who um, give you a little bit of positional versatility as well. Um, last year when Blake went down, um, the team did not perform really well, and uh, there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, the, the offense didn't look great and. Um, and there was a lot of uh, what, like, what are we going to do without Blake uh, this year? Uh, there's reason to be- Markeith Morris has been a starter in the past. Um, there's reason to believe that if Blake were to go down for ten or so games, he could, you know, fill in capably as a as a stretch four, as a as a as a uh, playmaking four, um, while while Blake would be out, and like that would be that'd be huge. Um, uh, the only position they really don't have uh, a backup for or redundancy for is Andre Drummond. Um, you know, Thon Maker is probably the backup center or, or Markeith Morris is probably the backup center right now. However you want to, uh, describe that to yourself. Um, I'm not really comfortable with, with Thon, uh, you know, seeing big minutes if something were to happen to Andre. 
Um, but Andre's been an Iron Man for most of his career. Um, you know, he had the, I think he had some back troubles early on in his career. And obviously last year he had the uh, concussion after he got whacked in the face. But like, those are the type of things that you, um, those aren't like long-term injuries, right? Like there's no reason to believe he'll suffer uh, another concussion next year. Concussions are relatively rare in basketball. And so uh, the one position they, they don't really have a redundancy at, um, I feel pretty good that they won't, they won't need one. And so like that, that is also pretty good. And so like, yeah, I think the, the roster is in a really good place. Um, the, this does appear to be a team that has, you know, raised its floor. And, you know, like we said, like you, like you mentioned the floor last year between guys like Jose Calderon and between guys like uh, Zaza Pachulia late in the year, um, when, you know, Langston Galloway would go cold for entire months, like the floor for this team could be really low. And it appears that they have they have raised that, and in doing so, will uh, will have uh, raised the level of talent, and will presumably raise the number of wins uh, that they get this year. You know, uh, I think the I haven't seen the over under for uh, their win total, and I assume that's out there somewhere. But uh, you know, if it's you know anywhere below like thirty nine, you know, I would feel really comfortable uh, with the over. Oh my gosh! Yeah, thirty-nine wins. I mean, something would have to go pretty catastrophically wrong to get there. I think. Yeah. No, I agree. So I think you know, to me, like, there's so much here that has to do with expectations. Like, if you're a fan that is sort of championship or bust, I mean, I'm not that mentality, but I could see why you might be frustrated or or disappointed that they didn't make the big splash somehow in this summer of big splashes happening everywhere. But I think if you know, as a fan. Um, you know, think if you're old enough to remember like the early 2000s, right, when they were, you know, relying on Jerry Stackhouse and John Barry and those kinds of guys who are totally adequate, but not, you know, like legit superstars, there's still a lot of fun to be had as a fan if your expectations are realistic, I think. No, absolutely. But, uh, but speaking of real superstars, the, the Pistons have been in uh, trade rumors lately, Um you know, one uh, one Russell Westbrook has been speculated as a uh, as a potential uh, piston for the future. Um, I believe that once once uh, once Ky- or once Kawhi Leonard went to uh, went to the Los Angeles Clippers, um, there's there you know there's reason to believe that uh, Dwayne Casey would certainly be interested in a reunion with Kyle Lowry, and that you know Masai Ujiri isn't um, you know tied to the hip with Kyle. And so, uh, yeah, I want to talk to you about the uh, the potential of trading for some of those bigger name, uh, more star players, but but uh, more expensive guys. Uh, we'll start with Kyle Lowry. Uh, what did you think? What would you think of a, a Kyle Lowry trade, Ben? All right. So, in a vacuum, first thing I want to say, I'm excited that the Pistons are coming up in trade rumors because you know when when these kind of guys have been available for trade in the past five, seven, eight, nine, ten years, like the Pistons are an afterthought, right? Like since you know, the Blake Griffin trade obviously happened and that, that caught us all off guard, but the Pistons are not normally a name that you hear associated with these sorts of trade rumors. So I like that we're back in a position where can, where we can be associated. All right. So that out of the way, um, I have been a huge Kyle Lowry fan for his entire career. I absolutely love the way he plays. Um, but right now for me, given his age, given what I sort of have seen as a decline in his production, um, it's a pass for me. Um, I think if you're in this situation as a team where you need one more solid veteran 
you know, to make a push, right? Like the Raptors last year when they traded for Marc Gasol. Like if you're that team who just needs a very specific guy to get you from one tier to the next tier, Kyle Lowry makes a ton of sense for you. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think the Pistons are that team. Um, so given the assets that it would require for Toronto, who's likely going to start a rebuild, I don't think the Pistons and Kyle Lowry are a good match. What do you think about that? So like with the the Mike Conley situation, I think it's a it's a matter of the uh, of what you would have to give up, right? Uh, Lowry would undoubtedly be like the best point guard on the Pistons. He's, he's clearly better than than Reggie Jackson, and so if it was you know a swap of you know Reggie Jackson and like Thon Maker uh, and something else to make the money work with like uh, with no picks or anything involved, uh, you, you know you would do that you know a hundred times out of a hundred. But the price for Mike Conley ended up being um, three first-round picks, essentially. Uh, last year's Utah's uh, first-round pick selection last year, their, uh, their first-round pick in 2019, and a future first uh, in, in 2020, I believe, or 2021, depending on the protections. And so, like, am I prepared to give up uh, three first-round picks? Like, when am I prepared to give up uh, um, Seku next year's first and uh, and like Kyrie Thomas for for Kyle Lowry, like not 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 really. No, if there was a way to do it without giving up one of uh, Luke or Seku, and a way to do it without giving up any picks, I think that's something you really heavily consider. Um, but Toronto's going to demand you know one of those things, and I don't I don't think you can part with it. So it's, it's kind of sad because I know Casey would really enjoy having Kyle Lowry on this team, and I think Pistons fans would really enjoy. Uh, rooting for Kyle Lowry. Um, he's the type of guy I think Pistons fans would really embrace, but um, yeah, it just doesn't seem like a possibility at this time, but you know, maybe, you know, he's, he's an expiring contract. Um, he will be, I think 34 or 35 next season. Um, the Pistons will need a starting point guard next year. Uh, there's a possibility like Kyle Lowry could be in a Pistons uniform sooner than you think. It just won't cost them Seku Lucanard in the first round pick. Right. All right, and so uh, the other the other name mentioned was Russell Westbrook. Uh, ben, what did you think of a, a potential Russell Westbrook trade for Detroit? Wow, Russell Rus- Westbrook, right? So I actually hopped into the comments to to get into a little bit about Russell Westbrook. Um, so to me, um, I'm sort of astonished by the number of Pistons fans who don't think Westbrook is good. Um, like to me, Russell Westbrook is very good. Uh, He's obviously not up to the level that he was at his sort of historic season where, you know, he did literally historic things on the court and everyone was sort of in awe, jaw-dropping individual play, right? Like, he's not that guy that he was two years ago. His shooting numbers are down. He still finishes at the rim well, but kind of to me, the thing that's a little bit concerning is a, a declining free throw rate. And this seems like a really arbitrary stat to pull out of thin air, but Whenever I'm looking at guys who are, you know, 30 and above, especially those guys who rely heavily on athleticism and getting to the rim, um, one of the things I look at is free throw rate. Um, It's not always a one-to-one correspondence. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, but to me it's a little bit concerning that his free throw rate has dropped off pretty dramatically um, since it did two years ago. Now, some of that is probably because he's had Paul George to help carry some of that load. Um, You know, but to me, a guy like him who – He's 30. Um, his game is just so predicated on what he's able to do physically. Um, you know, some of those things are a little concerning to me. But 
Um, the number one concern to me is that he doesn't seem to have adapted his game at all. He doesn't seem to have prepared himself for the inevitable decline that he'll experience athletically. Uh, Blake Griffin is an obvious contrast here. Um, you know, to Blake's immense credit, like in his early years, he was all about high flying and dunking and lob city and all that stuff. The player that he is today, especially in offense, is just so dramatically different from that guy that we saw early in his career. And arguably, he's just dramatically more versatile as a result of adding a post game, of adding a three-point shot, of being willing to attack guys off the dribble and all sorts of those other things. To me, Westbrook is just the same guy he's been. Uh, and his inability to develop a three-point shot, I think, is really going to hurt him over the long term. Um, so that's my really long way of saying, no, I don't, I don't want Russell Westbrook. Um, even though I think he's a really, really good player. Um, I'm really concerned that by the time he's 33, 34 years old, making 40 plus million dollars or whatever absurd number that is, uh, his, his skills just aren't going to hold up. His game and that contract, they're going to age like spoiled milk, man. They're not going to age like a fine wine. And I think whoever has him when he's 34 years old uh, is going to be <laughs> crying about that contract. So for me, Russell Westbrook is better than I think a lot of Pistons fans are giving him credit for right now, but absolutely not. It makes no sense for the Pistons to to bring him to the team, I think. Yeah, for me, so the first number that stands out for me with Russell Westbrook is 170. That is the number in millions of dollars that he is due over the next four years. That is a lot of money. It is really hard to, as we we saw with, uh, you know, with the Los Angeles Lakers uh, potential uh, offseason this season, um, as we've seen with the Golden State Warriors uh, this these last couple of years, it is really, really difficult to build a team, to construct a, a team with any depth or uh, insurance against injury if you have three guys making more than like $30 million on the roster. And with, with Blake Griffin and with Russell Westbrook, the Pistons would have two guys making north of $35 million a year in a couple of years. And that would really handicap their ability to, to construct the roster in other ways. So that's the first thing. Uh, the other, the, the second thing is that uh, Russell Westbrook is really good, but um, like Draymond Green breaks it down into 82 game players and, and 16 game players, guys who play uh, guys who get you wins in the regular season and guys who get you wins in the playoffs at this stage of, in, of his career. After I think four consecutive first round exits, three or four consecutive first round exits in the playoffs. Um, I think it's fair to say that Russell Westbrook at this point in time is an 82 game player. He is a guy who will um, absolutely just will you into regular season wins. Uh, those random nights in uh, like those random Tuesdays in Minnesota in February when no one else wants to get on the court and play like Russ will like just absolutely like dominate and drop 40, uh, a 40 point uh, triple double and you'll win and you'll be like, man, like this guy's amazing. But uh, in the playoffs, you know, he'll, uh, he makes the last two years, he's made things personal and to the, to the detriment of his team. He hasn't been a team, a team player. Um, he got offended by uh, rookie Rubio's defense on him and, <laughs> and decided to like, you know, I mean, I'm going to shut Ricky down at the expense of like what Billy Donovan is trying to do as a team defense and uh, Utah picked them apart for it. Last year, he tried to get into Damian Lillard's head, um, and and you know with the with all the the back and forth that they had gone through 
over the course of the regular season. And, you know, that didn't go well for him either um, with, uh, with some not so great, like clutch moments uh, in the game that they, uh, that they lost to end their season. And so like Russell Westbrook, I think is, is like, uh, is he's like, he's like DeMar DeRozan in that way. And when, where like he would absolutely raise the, the floor of this team during the regular season, like with Russell Westbrook, you're absolutely, you're like most definitely a top four team in the Eastern conference. Um, you know, without Kevin Durant, you could make an argument that you'd be the third best team, uh, in the, in the Eastern conference, but in a playoff series, like would Russ just come down and shoot 30 times at the expense of Blake Griffin at the expense yes. of Luke Kennard at the, yes, he would <laughs> at the expense of anybody who's left on the roster after you make that trade. Um, and so like that, that part is really tough. And so, yes, I would I do want to thank you, Ben, for pointing out that like Russell Westbrook is good because it does. The hate can sometimes go a little too far for guys who are uh, inefficient. Like Westbrook uh, has, has been the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's really good at basketball. He averaged a triple double last year. Like production is still worth something. Um, it's just not worth, I think what he's going to be making over the next four years. The the last thing I'll mention is that, um, Russell is also a guy who relies supremely on his uh, athleticism. And and you mentioned this a little bit in that, uh, you don't, you're not sure how his game will age. Uh, I'm not sure how his body will age. Uh, he had, uh, he's had, uh, knee troubles, uh, at the beginning of each of the last two seasons, I think he got the uh, platement, the platement replacement therapy uh, treatment a couple years ago, and that really uh, caused his year to start slowly. Um, he's a guy with an ACL tear uh, in his past. It was, you know, I think really early in his career, but that's still a concern. Um, he's a guy that you know really, uh, really relies on his his athleticism and. You know, there's a possibility that uh, another injury could really take that away from him, and then you'd be stuck with you know him his large contract number uh, and an inability to move it for um, for a guy who just can't produce like he used to. Like this is this is the John Wall conundrum, right? Like uh, John Wall is a had the potential and was a really good regular season player, but like you know one Achilles injury later, he's the most unmovable contract in the NBA. It's so like that. That is also like another outsized worry. I think you can have with regards to Russell Russell Westbrook. So for all of those reasons, I am also out on a Westbrook trade. Um, but I think it's I think it's closer than um, it's closer than Lowry. Right? Toronto would want uh, picks and young guys. I think there's a there's a world in which you could trade Russell for and and keep all your picks and young guys simply because the the size of that contract is so bad and the that um taking it on is is the price um you're you're helping out oklahoma city by taking it on you don't need to uh, give them extra stuff in order to do that and so uh yeah i would if you gave me the choice i would rather have a westbrook than lowry uh well actually no well given the contract situation i think i would rather have lowry than than westbrook but um you know if you ask me which guy's better i think it's pretty clear that russell westbrook is a is a more uh, productive and, and better NBA player. But um, but yeah, I don't think either one of those guys are fits uh, for the Pistons at, at this point in time. And, you know, this, the Pistons are in a really interesting spot, right? Because um, they're a team that's geared around Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. That pairing can work. Um, but aside from that, they have, you know, six guys on rookie scale contracts on the roster. And 
a, a point guard, a hole at point guard that will presumably be filled next season. And so like, this is a, this could be, this could be a very uh, young and exciting team helmed by Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, like in the not too distant future. Uh, I don't know if I would want to, I don't know if I'd want to give away that vision for $170 million worth of Russell Westbrook. That's all. Yeah. And one last point, I don't, you know, I don't know if there's a whole lot of people clamoring for this trade to happen, but um, last time I checked, there's still only one basketball, right? Like, and Blake Griffin needs the basketball in his hands and Russell Westbrook needs the ball in his hands and more Russell Westbrook. I mean, he, he dominates the ball, right? I mean, his usage rate is something like, 30 to 40%, depending on what season you're looking at 40 to 50% assist rate, which, which is also fantastic. But that means he's involved in like 80% of your scoring plays, right? The Pistons already have a guy who's really good with the ball in his hands. Who's a more efficient scorer in Blake Griffin, who yeah, has a, has a big contract as well, but it's not as bad as Russell Westbrook. So I just don't know how those two guys coexist. Like, between the two of them, their skills just overlap and duplicators each other so much, even though they play very different positions that I, I just don't even think that fit makes sense. Even if you ignore all the contracts. Yeah. Like we're the guys trying to get Luke Kennard more shots, right? Like right. This, this does not help Luke <laughs> no. Kennard get more shots. Not at all. Yeah. And so, yeah. So Wolf, this has been, this has been a, a good week for, uh, for Pistons news. There's been a lot of stuff happening for, for the dead of July. Uh, ben, uh, so where, where can the people uh, also uh, talk to you about Russell Westbrook's greatness, but uh, <laughs> but their but their lack of desire to trade for him? Yeah, if you want to try to persuade me that Russell Westbrook is a bad basketball player, um, feel free to jump into either of the comment threads that are going on in Detroit Bad Boys. I'm going to try to be involved in those the next couple of days because I, I was just stunned. Like people think Russell Westbrook is a bad player, and I just I don't get that. There there was one comparison that I got via Twitter comparing him to josh smith and i was like what no josh smith was historically bad russell westbrook is very good so hit me up in the comments hit me up on twitter at br golfer i'd love to talk to you about it Oof. i yeah i don't know what that person was going for uh if you want to if you want to talk to me about the the bruce brown piece i wrote uh that got swallowed up by all this westbrook stuff i would love to talk about that and you can do that uh, at last chance on twitter that's at l-a-z-c-h-a-n-c-e all right. This has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Um, we'll 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 see about next week. I've got a vacation. Uh, Ben's got a, some stuff going on at home. Uh, yeah, there might be a new Pistons fan in the world by this time next week. We'll see. Little baby gulks might be happening. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll see with uh, with all the life stuff if we can fit in a Pistons podcast. But uh, we'll talk to you guys uh, in the future.